0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross.
1: Awesome. Well, isn't it exciting to know that God is doing great things all around the world? Amen. Amen. Some of you are thinking, for a virtual trip, it seemed like they had a lot of in-person things. Yeah, it just means they didn't fly to Turkey. That's really what virtual means, and so uh, it's great. We do have a group going to Columbia uh, in about three weeks, so we're praying for them in advance as well. And uh, in two weeks, at that Taste of Nations, we will be announcing our trips in-person and virtual which just means not on an airplane uh, as well. So God's doing great things, and uh, we're really excited about it. And uh, uh, Pastor Vicente remarked kind of, if I wasn't a lead pastor, I'd be a missions pastor because I'm just so excited about what God is doing around the world. So thank you to those for sharing their experience with it. Welcome to those watching worshiping online. My name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. We are continuing our series from the book of Acts called The Church, Belonging, and becoming. Um, I would say that uh, this is one of those whole council of scripture messages, which means if you wore steel-toed boots, you're going to be comfy. <laughs> and if not, um, get ready. So um, I, how many people though believe your pastor loves you? Less in this service than in the first service. I can tell pretty much everybody in the first service is like, yeah, we think he does, or at least we're willing to lie and say it to make him feel better. You were not as committed to lying. You're like, we're not sure, we're reserving judgment. That's okay, but your pastor wants the best for you, and so we're going to continue on right here, Acts chapter 6. Minnesotans are tough. They're also apparently unresponsive to the pastor. That's fine, whatever. I'm going to preach it just the same, and uh, and then that's what I'm going to do. Anyway, if you have a Bible, Acts chapter 6. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning for the reading of God's Word and... Uh, I'm going to read all seven of our verses here, and then we're going to get into this message. I promise I'll be done preaching before the Vikings game. (laughs) They're on a bye week, so get ready. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, praise the Lord. Well, Acts chapter six, it's exciting. All right, here we go. In those days, I would just like to remind everybody that I'm not sure that those days are much different than these days tough crowd. When the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Though They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip and some other dudes. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, Prochorus and McCanner, Timon and Pumbaa and And Nicholas, I got that one, praise the Lord. Good old St. Nick from Antioch, and he was a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples, of converts in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I've titled this message, Planning for Problems. So let us uh, talk about that here this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift of your son Jesus. We also receive the help of the Holy Spirit. We ask even now today, give us ears to hear what you're saying, give your servant clarity of speech to communicate your truth effectively. We ask it in Jesus name and everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Hopefully you got a note sheet on the way in. I'll get to that in just a minute. Just as a recap, or just as way of mention, next week, uh, would be our eighth week in this uh, Book of Acts series, and that kind of concludes that portion of the Book of Acts. It was on the local church, and then it gets into some uh, other things after that. So we'll come back at another time as we uh, stop for month of missions. And um, but we did three sermons from Acts chapter two. The first one was called "Power for Today." We didn't think that the Holy Spirit is just something for back then. We believe that He's available to us today. That there's power for us today. And that illustration was Mentos and Coke. And it wasn't so much about needing more of the Holy Spirit. In in our lives is about removing the lid, removing the cap so that the Holy Spirit will get out of our lives and impact the lives of those around us, amen? All right, the second week was about proclaiming the gospel, the megaphone, that through the Holy Spirit, we can become louder, the message will be louder so that people could hear And also with the help of the Holy Spirit, some people be quieter so that they could be heard because they're always on caps lock. Anyway, um, Uncommon Community was the the third week, and we talked about the reality that community is not necessarily for us, but it it for sure is for somebody else, and that when we go through stress and pressure and struggle in this world, when we're all alone, that one nail could just pop that balloon. But when we're together, when we have that Uncommon Community, that bed of nails, it was like the balloon wouldn't pop even when it was stressed, even when it was strained, and We need that type of community with one another for everything that we're going to walk into. The fourth week was Acts chapter 3. That message was called Walking in Power. And that's where we prayed for people. But we said, we don't want to just pray for people in here. We want what God does in here to encourage us to pray for people and live for him out there. Amen. We're not just asking for the help of the Holy Spirit to have better church services. We're asking him to totally transform every aspect of our lives. And I wanted to share two more testimonies that I received this week. And uh, even after first service, I got another one, but I'll share that one next week. And so every week we're getting testimonies of what God is doing. We don't need to fake it. We don't need to fabricate it. We just say what he's doing, and uh, that's what happens. So uh, right before first service, I had a lady come up that said, I got prayer a week ago. She had a gastrointestinal issue. That's how she said it to me and that's how I'm saying it to you. (laughs) How many people know when they say gastrointestinal issue, you don't ask for clarity? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, sounds like a problem. You know what I mean? She came forward for prayer for healing. God changed, touched her life right there. She walked out, totally healed, no problems for the last week, went back to the doctor, totally healed in Jesus' name. Come on. Yeah, that's right. I saw those hands, guy. I appreciate that. Yeah, I saw it. Amen. And uh, so we celebrate what God's doing. Then there was another... Uh, guy that we prayed for, and I forgot it was actually a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago now, Monday night at prayer. Prayed for um, a member in our church's brother who uh, had addiction problem and uh, just prayed. And we felt something shift on that Monday night. Something just changed. I felt it. He felt it. And uh, I received word from him on uh, Wednesday. So just a week and a half later, like nine or ten days after decades of praying for his brother, his brother said, you know what? I need to go to rehab. And was checking himself in to rehab. Praise God. So we're just thankful for what he's doing. and. Uh but we also believe that God wasn't just gonna change an addiction situation, that he was gonna save him and transform him by the power of God. That'd be a proclamation of the power of the gospel, not just to be free from addiction, but to be totally transformed, amen? So we're celebrating what he's doing and being in prayer for other people. Like I said, I already got another testimony today. All right, week five was obedient disobedience. Simon says, remember the devil can't make us do anything bad. Simon can only say you don't get to win the prize which was a fake Walmart gift card anyway. It wasn't even loaded. The devil doesn't have anything good for us and he can't make us do it. We gotta choose who we're gonna obey. Are we gonna say yes to the devil? We're gonna say yes to Jesus. Last week, dangerous deception, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied, they had some land, they sold it, they were, kept some money, they were like, this is all of it, and then they died in church. So our illustration, we brought some people up and then we didn't have them do anything because I didn't even want to have a game about people dying in church, you know? So (laughs) praise the Lord, no illustration last week. And uh, that was last week. And today, uh, talking about planning for problems, And the illustrations kind of wrote themselves. They just came to me throughout the week. And so wrote this uh, outline on Monday morning. And then as you'll hear throughout the message, just things kept happening that I was like, I got to write that down because that's that point. So we're going to do that together. All right. Look at your note sheet. I got to get going. Number one, increase brings unintended issues increase brings unintended issues. We're talking about Acts chapter six. We're talking about planning for problems. We're looking here at this church where we're seeing great things take place. The Bible said in those days when the number was increasing, says their disciples, when the number of believers, when people were getting saved, it was on the rise, then they said there was a problem. They said the Hellenistic Jews Complain against the Hebraic Jews. As the numbers were increasing, they had more issues. I believe it was the great theologian, Notorious B.I.G., that once said, mo' money, mo' problems. (laughs) Isn't that true? No, I'm not talking about what the rap song said. I'm talking about that when there's an increase, there's also unintended issues. Um, A a kind and generous couple had uh, opened up They got a a cabin uh, that they purchased and they say, you could use it for 30 hours. I mean, they said a couple days, but we came up there for 30 hours to pray and plan for the year. And while we were there, he'd say, you know, they they had it last winter and um, the heating bill was so high because they they weren't used to having two places and, and then let alone the energy prices that went up. And I said, well, just get over it, big boy. If you can afford to buy it, you can afford to heat it. And uh, we're good friends. That's why I said big boy. And um, it's not like I'm just calling out random people. You know, we're good friends. And uh, I mean, I think, unless I get a text, they're like, you shouldn't have said that. But anyway, praise the Lord, but... Isn't that true? It was like, oh, we're going to have a second place. It's awesome. And, but there's an unintended increase. Maybe you didn't think about it. You were like, oh, it'll be fun. We're going to have family memories. And then you get the bill. And you're like, that part is not as fun. It's unintended issue that comes along with Increase. Look here at the church. Like people were getting saved all the time. People were being healed. There was an increase in expectation that they were lining the streets just praying for the shadow of a man of God to fall and it would heal their friend. It would heal their sick neighbor. It was amazing what God was doing. And there was also some issues. I mean, it just said that the Hellenistic Jews complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, let me help you understand that in the midst of explosive growth in the church, there was problems, right? The widows, those Hellenistic, you might want to write down or at least remember for your understanding, those were Greek speaking Jews, okay? Okay. So they were kind of newer to this whole church thing. They were kind of from around the entire Mediterranean, so there was different things. They were being overlooked. They were being skipped. Another translation said they were being discriminated against, and those widows were missing out on the provision of generosity from the church. The Hebraic, the Hebrew-speaking, the ones that had been there longer, those widows were fine. Here we have a problem. I know some people like to say every problem is an opportunity. This was a problem. <laughs> it was a problem because it was an us versus them situation. It was a problem because it was like longtime church folk versus the new people. It was a problem. There was a clash of cultures. Dare I even say here today, there was racial disparity in the Bible. What? <laughs> right? Like, it's been so astounding to me over the last two plus years, li- living here in the, uh, Minnesota, to hear the rhetoric, though, in our nation regarding different people. Yes, in case you were wondering, I'm, a- I'm referring to the overall discussion about white and black people, not like crayon colors. (laughs) But as many other minority brothers and sisters of all different races and colors would say that there's no shortage of bias and preference in our land, and without question, it's not just limited to white and black. Now, hear me say, I got to say some things that I wrote down, so you don't need to feel any pressure since you weren't saying amen anyway. You sure don't need to say one here. It'll be good. Just, I'll get this paragraph out. It'll be in the atmosphere. (laughs) I'm gonna read what I wrote, but here's the thing, friends. Look at that, I called you friends. I'm so nice, and then I said, and I do not intend to offend you. I didn't write it, but I do mean it. I might, but I don't intend to, but here's the truth. This, and I put it in caps, this is not an American problem. It can be a problem in America and not be an American problem. What I mean is, clearly in this text, there is no mention of America. Any other part of the text either, but I'm just saying. (laughs) I lost my place. There we go. There's no place of our nation. nation. (laughs) And yet there's a problem. A racial disparity in the early growing church of Jesus Christ. I'm surprised when people are surprised that there are problems in the church. I'm like, hello, just because we're saved doesn't mean we're perfect. You aren't either. (laughs) Praise the Lord. There was problems back then, and there are problems still today. And my gift of suspicion leads me to predict that there will be problems in the future. Until Jesus returns and we're united forever in heaven. Amen. But, somebody say but, but. I don't think this problem was planned by the apostles. No. Right. I, I'm going to prove it, my opinion of it, in scripture. But, but I don't see anywhere that the apostles are like, hey. I know we're, we're known for helping others. We got people selling land to help others. I got an idea. Let's discriminate against the new people. I didn't read it. It might've happened, but I didn't read it. And when we see what happens next, it makes me pretty sure that's not what happened. Yeah. Right. But we live in a time that wants to assign blame, especially to the overall leader, no matter the problem. Right. Yeah, have you noticed in our country, or let me just say the difference between our country and when I travel around the world. Like whenever I've gone to minister in Africa, by the way, They've never asked me to repent of being white. But our country loves to create division. By the way, I'll get to this at the end. It's not our country, it's the devil. He's the one that wants to divide. It wasn't the apostles' fault. I don't even remember where I'm at anymore, but now I'm preaching. But it was their responsibility. So when it came to them, they had to do something about it. But this problem was unlike the character or the nature or the testimony of their church. They were known in the community as being generous. They were known in the community as being hospitable. And yet, in the midst of a massive move of God, in the midst of the testimony being a stronger in the community, there were some people, some widows... Who are being overlooked, who are being skipped, who are being discriminated against because you weren't one of us. A cultural clash, a racial disparity, an insider versus outsider problem. But this ne- these next verses, I think, will give us context to show that the oversight, that the discrimination was not an intentional one from the disciples, uh, apostles. The truth is, whenever growth happens, other stuff happens too. I'm so thankful for the growth that's happening again here at Celebration. Um, we had a board meeting this last Monday night, and and uh, some of our staff leadership team uh, shared that in September it was a high record high of attendance um, since Easter. Now. we're not like a church that chases numbers, but it's always nice to go back and look because we got different services and different languages and we're, we're spread out. So sometimes it's hard to really tell what's going on. People might attend less often, whatever it is, but I'm just saying more is better than less. And when you're trying to see, are we having an effect, an impact in our community and Christmas and Easter are high times, but then to see that increase happening, uh, we give God thanks for that. New families getting involved. Also, we heard a report that just this year, 2022, I know because you might not see where you're sitting, you just look forward, you see me, but 152 new givers this year already. Different than last year and all that kind of stuff. So we praise the Lord for that. Because it's really helped, not because we're like, oh, look at that. It's really helped, though, as the economy is struggling and people have less income overall, maybe less discretionary income, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and some people, you know, if, if, like, if like they used to give appreciated stock They ain't appreciated this year. I don't know if you've checked that account, but it's not been a good year. Um, Because there's been more people, overall giving has still been on an increase, which meant we didn't need to cut any ministry plans or or reduce any missionaries that we had planned. So to the glory of God, because of an increase, ministry and mission has gone forward. Can you say a good amen? amen? Amen. All right. Now, there's not like a big shoe about to drop on this, but I'm just showing you there's unintended issues. Growth carries unintended issues. We spent hours this week praying for wisdom just about how to use the rooms, room usage to the calendar. Not exactly my favorite way to spend a day, but praise the Lord, we needed to have happen. Uh, it's better than nobody coming and being like, anybody can have a room because nobody's here. You know? So we're trying to figure that out. There's a lot of moving parts at the church, and so we're seeking the wisdom of God uh, on a regular basis. Um, think of it this way, we try to do our best to only have two announcements in a week because we know most of you don't pay attention. And so, uh, and then we're like, we make the announcement. And then somebody later's like, we never get an announcement. We're like, we just said that. You're like, oh, I wasn't paying attention. We know. That's why we don't do them. And we put them on the bulletin for you. But look at all this stuff that's happening. Here's an unintended issue. I'm going to take a couple minutes in a sermon to remind you of announcements Because it's not just like things on the counter, they're they're big things of who we are. So you already heard Pastor Trevor talk about the season of giving, right? Operation Christmas Child, Union Gospel Mission food bags. That's so awesome to be part of that. They always love uh, our participation with that. Taste of Nations in two weeks. As I mentioned, on that Sunday, we're gonna have the General Superintendent of Kazakhstan, the leader of the Assemblies of God, and his wife with us on that day. And that night, they'll be sharing. We'll also be hearing from a number of our partners from around the world that are in what we call creative access countries. Other places may say closed, but we can't talk about them online. So Sunday night will be that place that's not online. So we do need you to register. Last year, we had 265 adults. This year, we've added a few chairs. It's we, The room is the size that it is. So now we can get up to 304. Praise the Lord. So we can only grow by 41 is the math. I didn't do it on my paper, 41. So sign up. We can have more people come than that, but you don't get a chair. So 304 adults get to have a chair. Praise the Lord. That's going to be awesome. Uh, the fifth Sunday next week is your, Pastor Trevor, say water baptisms. I just, we're just looking forward to those so much. This Wednesday, we've got our new classes kicking off um, for the fall, which is our winter, I guess, whatever it is now. Uh, yeah, we're not in fall anymore. Um, so we've got a parenting class, which is going to be awesome. Pastor Josiah and Cassie are going to lead that, and especially for people with elementary kids. It was so funny. Wednesday night I had a parent come up that now has teenagers, and they said, Ah, tell those elementary parents it's easy. Wait till they become teenagers. Praise the Lord. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a class for that. Pastor Dan's going to do something about tough questions from the Bible. And uh, he really needs you to write down the tough questions that you don't understand from the Bible. You want him to talk about but he reserves the right to wait a week before he answers it. This week, jumping right in after today's message, talking about slavery and racism in the Bible. So you don't want to miss that. Come on out to that. Also on the way out today, you're going to get invite cards because Halloween's coming up, All Hallows Eve. Whatever you want to call it, when the kids in your neighborhood ask for candy, that's what it's called, okay? So don't sit here and be so mad about the name of a day that you're not salt and light in your neighborhood. So when kids come, they go, bing, bong. What's the deal? They'll be like, we don't do Halloween. Just give them some candy, praise the Lord, and give them an invite card to church. That's how you show them, invite them to church and give them candy. Don't give them no homemade nasty treat. Amen. Make sure it's got a wrapper and it's sealed. If the kid is gluten-free, give them air. I don't know, you know, whatever. Okay, so just breathe, you know, okay, whatever. All right, so I could go on and on. We spent time this week. We're working on the new year. You won't want to miss it. Kids Remodel just finished up. We're going to be having a remodel, a rebranded thing with things for seniors because we're a church for every generation. We're working on the lobby remodel, coffee bar, classrooms. You've seen the signs on the building, office usage. It was like a year ago. We just remodeled the offices. We were like, we got a plan. Then the church grew again, and now we don't have room for everybody. So we're like, who's going to share a desk? And praise the Lord. But the other alternative is that we tell our neighbors, There's no room for you. And of course, we don't want to be people that say there's not room for you in the kingdom of God. Jesus is preparing a big place. He's got rooms for everybody. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to plan for the problems. We'll try something. As we like to say around here, we're going to try something new. And if it doesn't work, we can go back to what wasn't working before. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We're just going to try. We're going to plan for problems. All right. Number two. I got to keep going. Number two. I want to talk about the difference between sharing concerns and spewing complaints. This is a word for our nation, (laughs) but you know, I'm preaching to the church that's within our nation, and really the church that I've been given purview over, this is to us. I know some of you right now are thinking, oh, somebody needs to hear this. Yeah, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) And now after you've dealt with it, maybe you'll send the message to somebody else, but I'm just, here we go. it says, uh, they said that uh, the Hellen- Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. And, you know, sometimes as much as I love English, it falls short in an explanation. We say we love uh, pizza and we love our spouse. You know, hopefully that's a different love, you know, but, but there's, there's shortcomings in that language. But, you know, for the most part, we're not fluent in Greek. So shortcomings of English is going to be what we're working with today. And it said they complained. But the truth is, when I looked it up, this word for complained did not mean that the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek-speaking Jews, it does not mean that they were little whiny-pants McGee. (laughs) It's not that at all. In fact, let me read to you the definitions offered in the Greek lexicon about what this word that we've translated complained, the intent or the deeper meaning behind. It says that they had secret displeasure. It was not openly declared. It was without querulous discontent. Querulous is spelled Q-U-E-R-U-L-O-U-S. And after I looked that word up, it means it was without full complaints without being full of complaints. You ever met somebody that's full of complaints? <laughs> I don't know why two people looked to their left when I said that. Okay, anyway. But I love this explanation. And this is the thought behind sharing a concern versus feeling a complaint. It says, done with a cheerful and willing mind. This is not a group of people that were like, everybody hates us, this place is bad. They were like, what's being done isn't right, but they had a cheerful and willing mind. You see, I think this context really helps us in understanding what took place. And when these concerns were shared, and when we see what the apostles did, I think it gives us today a roadmap when planning for problems, or as we like to say, what we're committed to is moving forward in unity. I'll remind you, there is a difference between getting over it and moving forward. When you've been through hurt, when you've been through pain, when you've been wrong, when you've been through trauma, I'm not sure that you ever get over it, this side of eternity. There is a day coming where the Bible says that he'll wipe every tear from our eye. So there is a day where in that sense, we'll finally be over it. But so I don't know, everybody's process in that regard is different. But what I do know is that we can all move forward. We don't need to discount pain, trauma, hurt, process, just get over it. No, but we do need to move forward. I'd like to remind everybody as we move forward in unity, as we've talked about here in this text and many other times that unity is not uniformity. The power of the unity of this local body of believers we saw in Acts chapter two, said they were all together. What's that word? Again, that Greek word, homothumadon, which meant different people with the same passion. It's not noteworthy if the same people have the same passion. It's miraculous when different people have the same passion. So here we see that these overlooked widows, yes, perhaps even might I say discriminated against widows, I believe they shared their concerns with a cheerful and willing mind and didn't spew complaints. We've all seen the reverse of this, haven't we? When somebody just verbal vomits over everybody, <laughs> it leaves everybody feeling icky, like they need to take a shower. <laughs> that person verbal vomit, I mean, it might be their right, but I don't think it's helping. Yeah. Look at our land. Verbal vomit doesn't bring to about unity, right? That, I, I think that is likened to spewing complaints. Whereas I think a helpful approach of sharing concerns will help some. Here we read in the scripture that there was a problem. It involved different cultures or races. And I believe it would have continued to happen if nobody said anything. You know why? Because problems today still don't fix themselves. It takes somebody to say something with an open and willing mind to move forward, to do something. And because of it, changes happen. As I mentioned, the disciples showed us that it might be our responsibility, even if it isn't our fault. Our nation loves, because of the devil, to to assign blame and fault. And the truth is, most of the problems in today's world are not my fault or your fault. I know that's unpopular to say in our land today, but the truth is, most of the problems in our land cannot be, we cannot point one finger at one person and say, they did it, get them. But all of us can say, what responsibility do I have to help whatever the problem or situation is? As I said this week, the illustrations almost wrote themselves. The outline was done on Monday morning. and As I was going uh, to some time on whatever day I went, Tuesday, for uh, prayer and planning, um, I got an email from some people in the church, and it was like from their real email, and they signed their name, so I read it. You know, if you make up a fake email, I don't read it. Ya boy, 1984. I don't read those emails. <laughs> B-O-I. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't read those. But, it, like, you put your name, and I, and I read it. And um, they shared some concerns. And, and I just want to mention that today, and, and, like, in public. It was about a comment that I made in passing last week about the discipline of children and discipline that I received back then versus now. And they shared a heartfelt concern for well-being of kids in today's society. I was able to reply to them and I even want to take a moment to give clarity in a public setting because I don't want to be misunderstood or misinterpreted and it just fit too good as a perfect illustration of sharing a concern for me to say nothing. When I said deacons might have occasionally disciplined me growing up, it was not without my parents' knowledge as the pastor. This is not a random stranger walked in the church and punched me in the face. Okay? Um, today... Most people are not looking for somebody else to physically discipline their kid, myself included. You keep your hands off my kids, we'll keep our hands off yours. That's our agreement, you know, okay? Um, Just to to give further clarity of the way we're teaching, training systems in place within our kids ministry, even beyond like background checks and trainings, like the systematic approach is that uh, we teach and we ask in our leaders, we do like a verbal correction then move the kid and then call you and they're your problem, you know what I mean? Like, but there's a process. At no point is it like, hey, we want the kid's pastor or the kid's leader to just put somebody in a figure four arm lock and drag them out in the hallway. Not happening. As I said in the first service, I don't want you hitting my kid and I won't be hitting yours. In fact, let's all just agree, nobody should be hitting any kid. There's a big difference between a form of discipline and hitting And I would just say, as I say, like in parenting messages, there's a difference between every person, every kid, of how they respond to correction and maybe at different times of their life. We got three kids. The way they respond is completely different. We've had to discipline differently for each kid because you could take one form of correction, make no impact on the kid. And that doesn't help anything. And so uh, we have these different deals. And so I just want to say we're completely against child abuse. Right, I have driven pastors to the police station to turn in suspected child abuse, reported child abuse. We'll continue to be that kind of way. One time had somebody uh, that we had to turn in. They were like, you turn me in. And I was like, well, they were like, I'm gonna call the newspaper. I said, please do. Like for real, I can't pay for that kind of free advertising that we're, we're a church that like protects kids that they said their dad hit them wrong and we turn it in like, come on somebody, I'll buy the newspaper article. In today's society with the other options, I want that advertising, okay. But the truth is, I understand people have misused and misconstrued scripture for different things. And so I'm not insinuating that in any way. And I just want to say, because of somebody emailing a shared concern, I just want to make clear that I'm not misinterpreted by that because we want to do what we can to protect kids, even though it's become more difficult in today's day and age, amen? amen? And then of course, the way the illustrations wrote themselves by Friday, I got a thing. Contrast that with what happened later. And here, let me just get uh, hypothetical, I mean but it happened. Um, there's a different, yeah, allegedly. That's a good word, Jack. By the way, Jack's 65th birthday. Come on. Happy birthday, Jack. We love you. All right. Um, there's a big difference between sending an email that you sign your name to and you share a concern versus going on social media and tagging the pastor and saying, he's an idiot, blah, blah, blah. That ain't gonna help anybody. Number one, I probably will not respond because I've learned if I respond, then all the people who I'm friends with now see your stuff, and I don't want that to happen, so I just ignore you because it's an algorithm thing, okay? And the algorithm rules the world. But number two, I just don't engage with stuff like that. And number three, I don't know what it is, but there should be a point. Number three, okay, so (laughs) uh, I feel something, I'm not sure, but anyway. but you're not gonna help if, if you really have a concern. And so we gotta do that. All right, let me move on because that's enough about that one. Number three, structure sustains spiritual growth. This is important. Structure sustains spiritual growth. Sometimes structure can inhibit spiritual growth and so much so that we've avoided it a lot of times within the Pentecostal church, the charismatic believers. They're like, we don't want any structure. We just do whatever we feel. We're like the little windsock guy in the back with the kid's entrance. Kind of crazy. So we don't structure, sustain the spiritual growth. This is the New Testament version of basically Exodus 18, where Moses, the Bible said, would sit and make every decision. And people waited day and night to hear Moses, the leader, tell them what to do. And Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, was like, Moses, what you're doing is not good. You're wearing yourself out and you're wearing the people out. You need a structure. You need leaders of tens and hundreds and thousands. You need a structure so that people can get their answer quicker and you can have a life. Nothing like a father-in-law to be like, you ain't home for dinner. And it's your fault. It was Moses' fault. And so he did something. He said, brothers and sisters, verse 3, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit. We'll turn the responsibility over to them and give our attention to the prayer and ministry of the Word. I want to highlight some structure that they created and how it applies to us here at Celebration Church. First thing he said, there's choose from among you. I just want to mention again for those that didn't know that um, our board, our elected board, um, is elected from within the membership of the church. Now, in some church models, it's like the pastor's friend from around the country or whatever, and, and but that's not how we operate here. So every year we have a, we call it an annual business meeting. We try to share some vision, some testimony of what's going on, and uh, we'll have that again in March coming up. And uh, But it's important. That's why it matters. Some people say, well, what does it matter if I'm ever a member of the church? Well, we call it partnership. We know who we can count on. You can count on us and vice versa. And then those leaders are elected from amongst the leadership. I just think, Nobody cares more about this church than the people who are part of this church. Listen, I love all my pastor friends that are watching right now. I love you guys. I mean, not right now. They'll watch it later. <laughs> It'd be kind of weird if they were watching it now. They're kind of busy. But and I love your church and all But But nobody cares more about the church than the one they're part of. And so we had that local leadership. And I'm always so excited and encouraged after we meet. It's just like... Leave fired up, charged up, we're ready to go, and we know there's a partnership there. So that's an important step. Choose from among you. I just want you to know that most of the answers to the problems can be solved within the current household of faith. Part of our problem is when we think, oh, we need somebody else to fix it for us. No, just like look around. If it ain't you, it's them. If it ain't them, it's you. We need each other to step up in ways to solve problems that are within the church. Choose from among you. Then it said, people who are known to be full, men who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Another translation said, had a good reputation in the community. In other words, I want to say it this way. Your neighbors should never be surprised to hear that you're a leader in the church. They were like, what? You're a leader of the church? Like, They shouldn't be surprised. They should like, no, you have a reputation. Now you don't necessarily need to be known as a Bible thumper, tongue talker, yelling in the middle of the night, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, what I'm saying is, what's your reputation at your job? What's your reputation in your neighborhood? You know, do you yell about the name Halloween or do you give out some candy? I'm just saying, what's your reputation? Do kids in the neighborhood know that your property is a safe place. Now, maybe you don't want to plant in your yard. I get that. But what I'm saying is, does a kid in trouble know where they can run? What's your reputation? Does your coworker believe that you're a listening ear? What's your reputation? These people needed to have a good reputation, not only amongst the believers, but in the community. And so we need people to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Then it says, turn this over to them. I would say release it to them. I heard a great teacher one time talking about the difference between delegating tasks and distributing responsibility. Leadership says, you've learned about it. You know what you're doing. Feel free to do it and then not micromanage them. Here's one of the toughest things for me as the leader of this faith family called Celebration because I know as we grow, I have to continue to release things and continue to trust people. The tough thing for me is seeing stuff happen not the way I want it. But the truth is we can either do it my way or we can grow. Newsflash, I'm not just talking about our church, I'm even talking about your family, like how you lead in your work everywhere. Like at some level, if you want good people involved, you got to let them do it. It's true even with your kids. At some point, let them do it. They need to do it. Before they get married and move off on their own, let them prove that they can survive. Amen. Okay. Turn this over to them. Here's the truth, friends. There's a few things that happen at this church that I don't know about. Okay, that wasn't the full truth. There's a lot of things. (laughs) But happen at this church that I don't know about. I'm still amazed. I get people that, they'll come ask me questions, they're like, Pastor, can I meet with you? I'm like, What about? They were asking me a question, I was like, Well, I don't know anything about that. They're like, Well, you're the pastor. I said, Exactly. If we need everything to flow through my office or through my brain, we're gonna be in trouble. But what we need is a structure that empowers people to lead in areas that they're gifted at, that people are not surprised by. I I think the whole community, when they saw who was, they were like, that makes sense. We get it. We want to follow and I'll prove it to you as we look. You know, it's it's a joke, but I've often heard from people, oh, pastors only work one day a week. Yeah, not this pastor, but just, just for the record, basically not any pastor. Um, And, you know, so funny, one of them remarked how often they've heard from somebody else like, well, what do you do besides pray? And I want to make a, a tragic observation to you. Sadly, because of expectations of people, prayer is something that most pastors don't do nearly enough of because there's committee meetings and functions and expectations and be at this and do that and listen to this and watch that. And, and sadly, the thing that most pastors should do a ton of is something they do very little of. I think it's out of a desire to please people, wanting to be around them and wanna be liked, but the truth is it's very difficult to say no I need to, and I I just want to say, even at our church uh, for seven years, thanks for being people who are willing, accepting to let your pastor spend time in prayer and ministry of the word. Um, Every time you call and you're like, can I talk to Pastor Derek and what about? And then, oh, well, really you should talk to Pastor Dan and you say, okay, what you're doing is you're encouraging me to be a man of prayer and the word and I just want to say thanks after seven years, I recognize that the biggest obstacle to me spending more time in prayer in the ministry of the word is me. I admit it. My mentors around the country have said, you know, Derek, you got to carve away more time because as the church continues to grow, the leader needs even more time with God. People on our staff, Pastor Vicente, he's always like, Pastor, you, you should skip that meeting. You should just pray. You should not. I, I'm, I'm the biggest obstacle. I get it because I like to be around. I like to be involved. I like to hear what's going on. I, I like to hear the stories and be part of it, but, but I recognize if I hold on, we can either have it my way or we can grow it. It's not about growth like, like a number. If you've been around, you know we're not really an aim for numbers person, but we do want to be people who say, look what the Lord has done. And so I just want to say, keep praying for your pastor out of those 10 commandments. It seems like I preach on this. Sabbath is not my strongest, extra days away for prayer, not my, you know, so just continue to pray for your pastor that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, there's not a secret sin going on. I I I repeat that again today, but uh, I I need to uh, continue to have that strength to follow the example of the apostles that says, turn responsibility over. And notice, they didn't say do that because they were lazy. They were like, we just really need to pray and minister the word if we're going to sustain everything that God's doing. Can I get a good amen? All right, number four. And uh, the band can dismiss themselves and start getting ready. Number four, prayer confirms godly plans. This is so important. I think the plan was birthed in prayer. Why? These were people of prayer. They were known. They gathered every day for prayer. So they didn't just get a little... You know, LinkedIn business plan, they prayed and they were like, we need structure to do this. And then they prayed again. I love this. I believe this is evidence of prayer for the plan. Verse five said, the proposal pleased the whole group. That might be the biggest miracle in the whole passage. <laughs> Could you imagine making any proposal today in pleasing the whole group? Come on. There are some people, I've heard this in other churches, it's not in ours, but but in other churches that that there was somebody who said it was their mission from God, their call from God to vote no at a business meeting, even if everybody else was voting yes, because God didn't want the pastor to get a big head. I was like, sir, we have marked you. Don't come back. You. you know like, but I'm just saying there are people, right? This is amazing that in the midst of tension, in the midst of problem, in the midst of overlooking discrimination that there could be a proposal that would please the whole group. That's a miracle, evidence of prayer. So they chose people and they moved forward in unity. Let me just say I believe that we see two keys to moving forward in unity or two keys to planning for problems. Two things that I don't see happening in our land today. Number one, you need to admit there's a problem. And number two, you got to agree to move forward together. We live in a time where lots of people want to deny the reality of any problem. And we also live in a time where lots of people don't want to agree to move forward. They like where they're at. They like their condition. They like their problem. And they sure don't want to move forward together. We live in a time where people are taking their toys and going home. You know, Mike Lubinsky has often said, wouldn't the devil love it if, and then fill in the blank. And I'm just kind of committed. If the devil would love it, I'm going to hate it. If the devil would love it, I'm gonna fight with everything I have to make sure it didn't happen. When I look at this passage of scripture, people have been saved, they've been healed, they've been set free. Remember, it was people from every impure spirit. Revival is sweeping the land. Wouldn't the devil have loved to use this division to stop the church? Wouldn't the devil love it to allow this wedge to come in between the Greek-speaking Jews and the Hebrew-speaking Jews? And I think the devil would have loved for far more than widows to miss a few meals. He would have loved to divide and stop the momentum of the church of Jesus Christ. The devil would have loved it. You know, the truth is, the devil would still love to allow something real but something small to bring massive division. That's the devil's goal. He only does one thing, does it three ways, steal, kill, and destroy. Mathematically speaking, he divides. That's what he does. We see that, right? Us versus them, you versus me. If somebody's gonna win, somebody has to lose. It's, it's got to be your fault, my fault, somebody's fault. Wouldn't the devil love it? I think the devil was hoping that Acts 6 would have ended differently. Oh, that there were some people being overlooked and they had a church split. Wow. But you know what? It took some apostles and some other people to say, you know what? That's not right. We're a church that's known for our hospitality, we're a church that's known for our generosity. It's not good if we got some widows that aren't eaten just because they're new to this. It's not good that we got some widows that aren't eaten because they have a different background. It's not good for these widows to be overlooked just because they don't have friends that are in charge of the distribution. And then it took an entire group of people to say, let's move forward together. Because the truth is, in today's systems and society in America, what we would have had is now a Greek-speaking church and a Hebrew-speaking church, and we wouldn't be friends. It'd be first church of this and second church of that. But we don't want to be second, so we're first church too. (laughs) We're like, you can be part of it. Nope, we don't want to be. Got to admit there's a problem, but you also got to agree to move forward together. It's both and. And friends, there's something uniquely unifying about corporate prayer. So my man, why do we pray so much at this church? Because without it, we're in trouble. It's uniquely unifying in corporate prayer. You see, when we come together and we seek the face of God together, you can't help but be drawn more close with the faces of those around you. It's like one of our sneaky games, (laughs) right? When we interview a couple that's fighting, like, how much are you praying? Not enough, obviously. That's why you're fighting so much. Because when you pray together with somebody, you can't help but be drawn close together. I didn't say perfect. I didn't say that there's no issues left. What I'm saying is when you pray together with somebody, when you get in the trenches spiritually together with somebody, you're like, I'm gonna move forward together gonna fix these problems we're not gonna let it divide the church we're not gonna let the devil win in this we're gonna be a testimony of god's goodness and his grace and his kingdom's gonna expand and we're gonna do it together so these seven leaders were well respected they were full of the holy spirit it was of no surprise to anybody they created structure to sustain the spiritual growth and then they prayed again look at verse six they presented these men to the apostles and they prayed for him again. And they laid their hands on him. You see, they weren't praying because they didn't know what to do. They had already prayed and got the idea of what they were gonna do. They selected capable men, they were well-respected men and everybody liked the plan and then they prayed again. So they weren't praying because they didn't know what to do. They were praying because they didn't wanna do it without God. And I don't want to ever be so caught up in our own success and our own accolades and look what we've done that we try to do it without him. As we celebrate what he's done around the world, I sure don't want to do it with thinking we did it on our own. As we see the growth of ministries and and departments, I sure don't want us to think and deceive ourselves that we've done it without him. That's why we gather again for prayer. That's why we pray again. Our team is finishing up the 21 days of prayer and fasting journal. Why? Because we don't want to say, God, we don't need your help in 2023. And whenever we fail to pray, what we're really saying is, God, we've got it on our own. And what we are seeing the evidence of in our nation is people who say, God, we don't need your help. We've got this on our own. And our solutions and our systems and our processes will always fall short if we do it without the help of our Creator. And these people said, we're gonna gather together. Even though everybody agrees, we're gonna pray again. You know, sometimes even after I've made a decision, I pray again, because I just know I, I may have felt like I made the right decision, but if I pray again, I ask the Holy Spirit, would you change it? It's not too late. Even if we've gone to print, God, speak clearly in this moment. I got to pray again. It's never too late to change. It's never too late to say, he, he moved again. So I, I'll pray again. I'll pray again. I never want to become so uh, such a prisoner of the pattern of success. So we pray again prayer will confirm those godly plans. You see there at the bottom, I got to close and we're going to pray, but the enemy divides, but God multiplies. The enemy always divides. As I said, steal, kill, and destroy, but God multiplies. Bible says, so the word of God spread. And the number of disciples, believers in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Remember what happened? Earlier in the book of Acts, the Bible says that the Lord was adding to their number daily. People were getting saved in coffee shops and grocery stores and gas stations. (laughs) There was an addition that happened. And when they put the proper structure in place, something went from addition to multiplication. I wonder if their structure was inhibiting the growth of the church. They needed a system, a structure that would have capable in charge of different things. I wonder if the American church's system structure has inhibited true growth across the land. Where, where we've we've become comfortable in a consumeristic culture. Well, I wonder what the preacher's gonna say today. Don't we all wonder, you know? But I wonder what my community, but what if we all Said, you know what, we we all have an area to lead. We all have something that we can contribute. It's it's not just about what's a... We're going to do it together. What if the structure was that everybody needs to step up in some way and lead in some manner? Not in the same way, not in the same manner, but we see the kingdom of God, there's always a multiplying effect. The word of God spread, the number increased rapidly, And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So I guess I'm just asking very simply, and I'll pray and we're going to sing as a response. Are you dividing or multiplying? I'm not even saying intentionally in this moment yet. I'm just saying when you look back at your life, are you following more on the side of division? Putting one neighbor against another, a new person against all? I'm just asking, are you... Falling in that category? Or are you saying, God, use me in any way you can. Multiply your goodness and your grace. Let it spread through me. Whatever I have, you can use it for your glory. I'm praying that more in our land will recognize that the way of division isn't getting anything solved. You know, these next couple weeks, we're gonna continue to see political ads on TV and things and newsflash. (laughs) If politics was gonna fix it, we'd have been fixed already we see ads so much division so much I've talked about it before I wish there was like a red light that would pop on the screen when people are lying but you'd start to think it was broken your TV's like oh it's got a red light on but let's just refuse to fall into the way of the enemy which is to bring about division let's be people of God used by the spirit who say God we want to see your kingdom advance we want to see your word be multiplied in our land amen back ahead and close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us today. We're going to sing as a commitment to the Lord to build our life upon Jesus Christ. With the subject matter today, I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward or call you out in any way. But I just want to pray that all of us here today, watching online, watching at a later time, that we'd refuse to give in to the plan of the enemy to be used for division but instead we'd be used to multiply the kingdom of God. So Father, I'm praying right now for your dear children here at Celebration. I pray for those who watch from afar. We include them in this request as well today. God, first of all, I just ask on behalf of any who've been actively dividing in this church or in our community, around the world. Father, help them to repent. For those that have been unknowingly dividing, help them to make a change. But help all of us to actively guard against what the devil would love. To bring division, to put another down, to say it'll never get better, it won't ever get fixed, to point to people as a problem. Let, help your people refuse to buy into that lie from the pit of hell that seeks to divide one part of your creation from the other. And Father, help us with open hearts and open lives, be people who are willing to be used by you. God, I pray right now, I just sense this in this moment, I'm asking that you would give ideas, plans, things to your people that would solve significant problems, whether it's in their neighborhood and schools, in our land and i'm asking for miracles that these plans these proposals would actually please entire groups problems that have have been there for a while oversights that have happened for a number of times where, where where people on both sides people all around have said nothing was going to change god would you do a miracle in people's areas of expertise or even not just where they're willing to obey. God, I'm asking, I've never prayed this before, but I feel it in this moment. God, would you do it only you can do? I'm asking for supernatural wisdom upon your people that would look so different than what this world, than what our nation has been stuck in. I pray that you would use your people, oh God, to lead the way as we move forward together. I pray, God, use us any way that you see fit. And we pray in Jesus' name.
0: We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.